Are we all sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Once upon a time I was a very little boy. And, you know, the world of reading and books was new to me. I remember sitting at the back of the class one day with the other two children who couldn't read yet, you know, prepared to copy down the writing on the blackboard. And suddenly something clicked and I read it. And I thought, that's a rubbish sentence. I could do better than that. So I wrote different words to what was on the blackboard. You know, same meaning, just better composed, better put together. And I was very impressed. And when the teacher came round, she noticed that I hadn't written and slavishly copied what was on the blackboard. No, I had been able to write for myself. And I was praised. And I was happy. I was good. Then I was able to read all those books that had, until that point, been forever a mystery to me. And so I gobbled up the stories, I loved the pictures. <coughs> Actually, I remember um, when I was a little bit younger, I would said to my father that I preferred books without pictures in because there was more room for the story. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it was about a year, year and a half after that. I would have been, what, ooh, mm, ten, ten and a half maybe? Yeah, I know, I couldn't read until I was about nine and a quarter, but hey, when I could read, it just, it was like someone flicked a switch, you know, suddenly, bang, it was on. Yeah, uh, up all that time struggling and not quite getting it, and then, ka-chunk, the last part all fell into place. Uh, so anyway, um, we went on a trip, a uh, school trip to Durdle Door, or Lulworth Cove, or somewhere like that, uh, somewhere quite nearby. And uh, it was a cold, windy day, bit of drizzle, and there was a little shop by the side of the road selling, uh, well, you know, like a newsagent or something. And I popped in there with my few pennies. I had what forty p, maybe seventy pence at the most, you know. And there was a book there. Uh, it was this was wonderful little paperback book with this great picture on the front of this sort of dragony, lizardy monster thing bursting out of a person's clothing getting up from a log in a forest to attack someone. And this was Fighting Fantasy, Book 3. Uh, <laughs> the Forest of Doom. Yeah, I know, not the greatest of titles, but hey, I was a child, okay, you know. To me, that big star in the corner saying, it's a great fantasy adventure where you get to be the hero! And so, of course, <laughs> what could I say? I was entranced. So I parted with my remaining coins and I remember, ironically, I had exactly the correct amount for it. No, I didn't haggle the guy down or anything. He said, I've only got this. No. <laughs> Actually, I, I might have had, like, a little bit left, but I can't remember exactly. That might have been when I had this... Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I used to have this uh, bomber jacket that I used to put my spare change at this little breast pocket of a zip. And I'd if I had, like, just one coin left of my money, I'd put it in there. And the funny thing is that um, whenever... Yeah, that money then resurfaced whenever I needed it, so I could um, I could be not quite able to afford something. And I'd, I'd remember, oh yeah, I used to put money in this pocket on this thing I hardly ever wear. And I'd go check, and it would mysteriously be the right amount to let me get afford it. So it was like magic bomber jacket. It was awesome. Um, anyway, so I took this book home, and uh, I experienced the adventure, and I had a really great time. And you know what? I had so much fun, I played it again and again and again, and over the following years I got 
more adventure game books. Uh, Fighting Fantasy, Lone Wolf, Way of the Tiger, Golden Dragon, a uh, few Bloodsword. Uh, I must have tried almost every game book series out there. I even did a few of those Dungeons and Dragons and Choose Your Own Adventure dice. Well, actually, quite a few Choose Your Own Adventure, but Choose Your Own Adventure were a bit sort of. They didn't have the same challenge level as some of us, but the best were undoubtedly Lone Wolf. I mean, with Fighting Fantasy, you knew what you were getting. Here was your standard adventure. You know, if they give you physical directions, you go straight ahead. If you can't go straight ahead, you go left. If they give you compass directions, you go north. If you can't go north, you go east. And that rule will actually get you through about two-thirds of the Fighting Fantasy books out there, actually. Uh, and then there's a few where they just reverse it and you have to go south. And if you can't go south, you have to go west and you have to go you have to go right, even if presented with the option to go straight ahead. So, you know, so it's, it's nice to help keep you on your toes. But it was like when you could find a formula and follow it through some of the older ones, it was a bit, bit of a shame, really. But but then I didn't I didn't always play to win. I played to experience new avenues of the adventure, you know. The whole interactive nature of it compelled me to play on. Um, now, there would be times, of course, when I'd just breeze through, following the familiar path. Actually, Starship Traveller um, with Fighting Fantasy was quite hard, but anyway. Um, <coughs> yeah, I know, I'm rambling a bit. I know, and I'm probably... Oh, you know, it's, what can I say? You know. Uh, so, the Fighting Fantasy adventures, they were long, they were a bit uh, light on the detail. They were quite varied, but quite often it was like, you walk into a room, there's a monster, you attack it, you must fight. Um, and Fighting Fantasy had this big emphasis on the one true path thing, which wasn't actually true for a lot of the older Fighting Fantasy books, but for some of the later ones it really was. I mean, uh, what was it, Revenge of a Vampire? You actually couldn't complete without cheating, because uh, you had to buy a horse, which cost you all your money, however much you have left, because the guy haggled you up to all of it to get to a place to catch up with a vampire and then capture a clue, a magic weapon you needed, uh, at the inn where he was staying. And if you didn't get that magic weapon... Oh, which you couldn't do, by the way, because the only way you could do that was having some money left when you got to the inn. But if you had some money left when you got to the inn, the vampire had left, magic weapon wasn't there, you couldn't get it. Later on in the adventure, unavoidable plot point, you're faced with a creature that can only be hurt by the magic weapon, which you cannot have unless you've cheated. Yeah, that book was uncompletable. That was like a major, major typo. <laughs> so, so anyway, as I was saying, uh, Fighting Fantasy adventures were long. They were a bit light on the detail. They were very varied. They'd move about all over the place. You'd have loads of different things going on. In comparison, the Lone Wolf adventures were shorter. They were about two-thirds to three-quarters of the length of a Fighting Fantasy book. But they ha were so much more varied in the paths by which you could go about things. I mean, prime example would be uh, the Caverns of Kalt, Lone Wolf Book 3, where um, the Ice Barbarians in the Brumalmark's fortress. Um, it's like, oh, the, the evil sorcerer's in the throne room, what do we do, you know? Uh, you'd sneak up and you'd see these two guards standing guard outside the door to his room with their little pot of food boiling. And it's like, if this was a fighting fantasy adventure, it'd be, okay, you, you sneak up the corridor, you see two barbarians standing in front of the guard, you know, in front of the throne room. You must get past them. You draw your sword and charge in an attack! It's like, okay. Uh, whereas with Lone Wolf, it was suddenly, okay, the two guards are outside the throne room. Uh, 
You could run in and fight them if you want, but hey, there's two of them, there's one of you, you're probably going to get pretty duffed up, possibly even dead, you know. Uh, uh, or, if you've got um, this poison from earlier in the book, you could sneak up and put it in their soup. Actually, that poison was... Or, if you've got a sleeping potion from book one, you could sneak up pour that in their food so you don't actually have to waste the poison you can save the poison for later on and you could actually use that poison later on in book four or five but you know and, and that po the, po the poison and the sleeping potion were both from book one i believe so there was that was another great thing of the lone wolf series you had the same character carry over from book to book and some items could be used in multiple books various times you know it was very nice very well thought out and there were always multiple paths to a solution to a problem um, whereas, uh, wh whereas fighting fantasy would be like a spider diagram, like you could go off in all different directions, Lone Wolf would be more of a flowchart, as in, here's your beginning, here's some unavoidable plot points, and here are multiple routes you can take between them, and there are multiple solutions to all the in-betweeny stuff, so there was no absolute required path, there was just whatever was best suited to the kind of character you were playing, and that was wonderful. That was really great. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, going back to the reason why I've started this, I just wanted to have that introduction to uh, let you understand I am a great aficionado of <laughs> adventure game books and solo adventures. Uh, it, even the Tunnels and Trolls adve solo adventures, which uh, the Tunnels and Trolls solitaires, they weren't very good as far as adventures go. They were like, oh, you've turned in this direction. Something obscene happens. Now roll shit lots of dice and take that much damage. Ouch. Oh dear, you're dead. Right, start again. Yeah, they were a bit um, crazy and chaotic. Uh, but recently, whilst perusing a website that is a fine purveyor of role-playing wares, I have stumbled across a solo role-playing adventure there. And you know what? This was nothing new. They've had a few there before. But this one was nice and cheap. It had a few pictures. Oh, and it was the Pathfinder rules system. And I thought, I'm familiar with the Pathfinder rules system. It's pretty much D20, but uh, it's a complex rules system. So it'll be interesting to see how they simplify it and, in a way, dumb it down for a solo adventure. Uh, it was also nice and cheap and reasonably um, well presented. You know, there was some nice artwork. Um, now the title of the adventure uh, is Calgore Bloodhammer and the Ghouls Through the Breach. It would appear that the main character is a dwarf with a hammer and a beard as red as blood. <laughs> and, and there are some ghouls coming out of a gap in the wall and floor to attack him. So yeah, I, I'm sensing this isn't particularly necessarily an overcomplicated adventure, but I thought, you know what, I've, you know, a few sessions have been falling through recently, not enough players turn up, we do a one-off or something, you know what, why don't I record myself playing a solo adventure and release it for you guys to listen to, the uh, listening public, I wouldn't really say viewing public, because <laughs> you can't see me, and that's fine by me. Um, so yeah, I'm going to play a solo adventure through to its completion. It's a short one, so it's either going to be very linear or very short indeed. <laughs> now, I was going to take the mickey a bit and do a live, virtual unboxing 
Uh, unfortunately, the site which I purchased it from uh, was having maintenance on and off for about three days, and uh, when I finally got to make the purchase, <laughs> after lots of the site is down for maintenance again. Okay, fine. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to name them. They're fine now. It's all sorted. Uh, but anyway, so the first two times I tried to download it, I got corrupt download, so it, it just aborted after it was about a third of the way through, and I was going, this is ridiculous. Third time lucky, whole thing arrived, so I opened it immediately and skimmed through it just to check it wasn't a corrupt download and all the bits were on the pages. It all seems to be there. Uh, now this adventure assures me uh, it's designed for a single player with no GM, all I need to play is some dice, uh, only a d6, a d8 and a d20, so that's all I'll use. Uh, a pencil, some paper and this book. Well, it's a PDF, but hey. Uh, I'm going to use a text pad to keep track of the notes. Uh, the rules are explained as you play. Begin at saying, yeah, 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 usual solo adventure stuff. Uh, I did glance at the first couple of uh, sections, as literally the one and the one after it. And they've done the uh, thing of, rather than present you with the rules you'll need for a solo adventure at the beginning, they are introducing it over the course of the opening section of the adventure. Uh, a couple of fighting fantasy books did that. Um, Creature of Havoc, uh, Black Veil Prophecy, I believe. So, I'm just going to dive straight in. Oh, the other thing is, of course, I'm, I've decided, uh, in the interest of not boring the audience completely, when choices are presented, I'm not going to read the choices. I'm just going to indicate the one I'm taking. Uh, also, of course, it's going to be in first person addressing the character and the player. So, uh, <laughs> so if, if you hear me saying, you walk down a corridor and turn to the left. Um, see, so what I'm thinking is, I'm going to attempt to do it all in first person. Uh, as a first-person, present-tense narrator. Uh, I'm probably going to slip up and fall back into the third-person accusative addressing thing. But if I do, do you think you could treat it as a visualization exercise or something? Hey, we're role-players. Imagination is great. Um, so anyway, yes, I am now ready to go. Hmm. I am Kalgor. Son of Kongar, son of Kalal of the Bloodhammer clan. I was born in the depths of the earth in an underground dwarven city. Ever since I can remember, I have dreamed of joining the Iron Shields, the Alight Guards who protect your city. There you are, told you to slip up. The, the Elite Guards who protect our city from threats both above and below. For years I have trained, mastering not only hammer and shield, but also the proper tactics for leading soldiers into battle. Each year, the Iron Shields accept only half of those who make it to the final test. The applications are paired in single combat. The winner joins the Shields. The loser must wait a year for even the chance to fight again. My final test comes today. Uh, no multiple choice here, so straight on. Kalgor waits in a room below the arena. 
Above him he hears the sounds of clashing steel. Finally a messenger comes to him. It is time, he says. Calgor follows the messenger. Yes, I follow the messenger, through twisting halls, until I reach a wide arch. Then I step into the bright arena, my hammer in one hand and shield in the other. Across the arena I see my competitor, Bruscar Bronzand. I know him. Bruscar is two years my elder, and twice now he has failed the final test to join the shields. He is stronger than me and skilled, but he is slower and fights without a shield. If I can block his blows, I stand a chance. Gunther Ironfist, leader of the Iron Shield, signals us both to come forwards. And I touch my hammer to Bruzgar's axe. Looks like they took pity on me, Bruzgar says. I've spit up meals bigger than you. I respond with a stiff nod. Then the battle begins. Speed is my asset. I am forced to swing my weapon at my opponent. I must roll a d20! Ooh, that's low. <laughs> Bruscar definitely parries with his axe. Is that the best you got? Bruscar says. I have missed Bruscar and he is undamaged. My attack has left an opening which Bruscar seizes. He swings his axe at my chest. Make an attack roll for Bruscar. Okay then. Oh, bugger, he's rolled quite high. That's going to hurt a bit. <laughs> just my luck, isn't it? I've just got started and already taking a beating. However, um, oh, that's not right. Must have turned to the wrong section. Um, However, you know, if I lose to this, to Bruscar, I honestly think he's earned it. You know, he's failed twice. He deserves his chance again. If I fail, oh well, it won't be the end of the world. At least not for another year. I try to dodge the actual the <laughs> my mouth. Okay, I try to dodge away, but the axe catches my side and leaves a nasty gash. I've suffered a severe wound from Bruscar's attack. Bruzgar wields a two-handed axe and I've suddenly gone all broomy. So his attack steals 1d12 plus 6. I don't have a d12. I wasn't told I'd need one. Okay then. I'll roll a d6. I've got a 5. I'll then roll odds or evens. If it's even, I'll add 6 to it. It's a 4. Oh dear goodness. I've taken 15 points of damage. I only had 36 points to begin with, apparently, as I've just been told. Calgore Bloodhammer is becoming even more broomy by the minute. So, 36. Take away 15 is going to be 21. That's not good. Ow, that hurts. Subtract Bruscar's damage. Okay, no, it's from year, year. This battle has just begun. Bruscar and myself are both fierce warriors and it will take more than a single hit to take either of us out in battle. I just played a single combat round. Uh, I'm going to pop into the front room, grab my dice bag, grab a d12 because it will simplify things a little bit.
and I'm back. Okay, yep. Uh, the way we've handled combat in this solo adventure is to draw up a nice little chart uh, which lists attack bonuses, damage, armor class, and hit points for each combatant. Uh, this bench is yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it doesn't explicitly say, state who's attacking first, but I'm going to assume that since we've each attacked, we go into the next round and keep the same initiative. Um, okay, um, so, uh, taking a mighty blow, Kalgor steps in, lurches up with his hammer, aiming for Bruskar's chin. And that went on the floor, didn't it? Of course it did. Alright! Okay, um... Blimey! Um, that actually hits. I'm happy to roll it again. Still hits. Let's have some damage from this mighty hammer. Uh, it conks him under the jaw for a pitiable amount, unfortunately. Um, ouch. Okay, Bruscar has a lot of hit points. He's going to take more than that to take him down. Ow. Um, Bruscar attempts to smash Kalgor in the face with the haft of his axe. And that's pitiable. Okay, uh, pressing the advantage, Kalgor goes in for a headbutt. Oh! Um... A very vicious headbutt indeed that spills two or three teeth out, spitting the teeth loose. Uh, 8 plus 3 is 11. Uh, Bruskar backs up and hacks down overhead. Kalgor raises his shield desperately and that doesn't even hit the shield. Wow. Um, Kalgor goes in again, swinging mightily with his hammer. One, two, three, and he strikes! Uh, on the shoulder, causing Bruscar to stagger. Uh, I can give mechanical results if people want at this point. Uh, <laughs> but it's not looking good for poor Bruscar. However, there's plenty of fight still in left now. And, oh, yes! He sinks his axe into Kalgor's thigh. For, that's the wrong die. <laughs> that's more like it. A whopping amount of damage, indeed. Oh no, he's hit me again, I'm down to 13 hit points now, and he's got 9 left, I'll have to have him. Uh, so, in the spirit of optimism, Kalgor fights through the pain, wrenches the axe free, and lashes out of his hammer and rolls a 1. Yeah, he, he kind of slips, falls, lands on his ass, and Bruscar has another go at him as he's getting up, and... Ooh, I'd better check that one. That is so close. Yeah, so Bruscar lashes out in an attempt to catch him in the side of the helmet. But unfortunately, he's mistimed. Uh, Kalgor's rise to his feet and swings over his head a little bit too early. Uh, taking advantage, Kalgor goes in for the kill and wallop! Oh, yes! Okay. Uh, I'll bring my Amaran down on Bruscar's helmet and hear a loud crack. With Day's look in his eyes, he struggles to raise his axe once more and it slips from his fingers, and he crumples to the ground. Gotta say, that fight was actually a pretty close run thing.
Um, as soon as Bruscar falls, dwarves rush from the edge of the arena. Clerics from the House of Healing surround Bruscar and begin to weave their magic. A young dwarven woman with golden hair and wearing the crest of the House of Healing approaches me. Well fought. Do you require healing? I oh, curtly nod. He's for Phil Mitchell of Dwarfs, isn't he? <laughs> Not much of a talker, are you? Kalgor, was it? And I'm Hilgar. She calls forth divine magic, and my wounds mend. My thanks, and the thanks of my ancestors, I say. The honour is mine, Hilgar says, then turns away. I've been instructed to heal all damage, which is good, because I've taken a fair bit. Uh, I've taken uh, 23 out of my 36 in total there, so that was nasty, you know. But, hey, what do you expect? It was a good introductory. I suspect if I had fallen, I would have also been healed by the healers to continue the adventure somewhat ashamed. The next few hours are a haze of congratulations and cold looks of jealousy. Then... I arrive at the Feast Hall of the Iron Shields. After a tremendous banquet, a great figure rises to address our those assembled. Instantly, the crowd falls silent. I know this man. Gunfar, son of Galdur, son of Unfarg of the Stonefist clan, and leader of the Iron Shields. My brothers and sisters, Gunfar says, we are the Iron Shields. We protect our home from all dangers, both above and below. But it seems there may be another danger that we have not yet reckoned with. Yesterday I spoke with the Council of Elders. It seems some members of the Council, led by Thorvald Blackhelm, believe we have outlived our usefulness. At these words the crowd erupts in jeers and boos. Gunfer raises his hand. But that is not why we gather here tonight. We come to welcome new members to our ranks. All have proven themselves many times over, and all have fought with bravery, doing their ancestors proud. Then he reads the names of a dozen men and women who earned the right to join the Iron Shields that day, and Gunfer presents each with a shield. At last, he comes to my name. Kalgor, son of Kongar, son of Kalal, of the Bloodhammer clan. The rest of the assembly clank their goblets on the table as I approach Gunther. It is rare that one so young joins our ranks, Gunther says to me. I believe you shall serve us well to great glory. He hands me my shield. I fit it onto my arm, and I marvel at its craftsmanship. The shield Gunther gives you is a magical enchantment. It's falling once per day. Um, okay, I'll, I'll just jot this down. Um, I found something useful when keeping notes for solo adventures is to jot down the paragraph number you got it at. Um, It's uh, it's just good easy reference. 
Um, mm -hmm. so, something I'd say about this PDF at this point is um, one or two of the other solo adventures I've played, and they're by no means a majority in PDF form, um, have uh, hotlinked all the choices so it can go straight to where you need to without having to scroll around and see something you shouldn't. Uh, this isn't the case in this one, but it's only like a dozen pages, so it's it's not like you're gonna you know miss much of it going backwards and forth repeatedly. Um, the pride swelling in my heart and the memory of my battle with Bruscar fresh in my mind, I lie awake for several hours at night. Just as I'm about to drift up to sleep, I hear a scream outside. I quickly grab my armor and shield and <coughs> race out to the street. I soon see the cause of the screams. A foul creature bears down on a fallen female dwarf. If the hunched creature stood upright, it would be as tall as a human. But its yellow eyes, clawed hands, and rank stench betray it as the monstrous undead that it is. A ghoul. Wow, that was quick. I, I thought it might take a bit longer before I got to the ghouls through the breach, but hey. Apparently they've come through already. I raise my hammer and charge the beast. And run this fight. Similarly to how yeah, yeah, how the ghoul gets attacked. Ow. Um. Okay. Kalgor charges in to batter the living daylights out of this non-living thing. Okay, that's not a great start. He's just winged it with his hammer, just clipped it round the side of the head for nine shocking points of damage. Oh, okay. Um, that leaves it with five left. Uh, the ghoul will retaliate in kind. Uh... Uh, it'll scrabble futilely, uh, trying to tear his shield aside. Roaring! Kalgor uh, will strike at it again with his mighty mallet of doom and... Wow, yeah, he's taken it out. <laughs> um, I must say I have looked at the uh, sample character sheets provided at the back of the adventure and Kalgor has a massive initiative bonus, so... I'm going to assume that, unless instructed otherwise, the adventure wants him to go first every time. Because I haven't been informed otherwise yet. Uh, okay. So, uh, the ghoul's undead body shatters under the weight of my blows. I rush to the fallen bystander. She has several gashes, but she is awake and alert. Did you see where the ghoul came from? Oh! <laughs> Sorry. Did you see where the ghoul came from? I ask. The woman nods her head and points down the street to the west, the direction of the city wall. Were there any more? <coughs> she nods again. They were headed east. The, d the direction of the Iron Shield's feast hall. Uh, damn it, this is actually a tough one. Um, decisions, decisions. I'm afraid Kalgor is going to feel that his uh, duty to the Iron Shields outweighs the, uh, the need to protect the Dwarven Woman. However, the Iron Shields are quite tough and sturdy and can probably look after themselves, but if he's not there... Uh, you know what I'm going to do? Uh, I'm going to go check if they've put an alignment on his character sheet. 
And yes, they have. Okay. You know what? Despite the fact that it's uh, possibly derailing from a main plot and maybe even a side adventure, no, he's going to help her to the House of Healing. He's going to be a hero and look after her. Yeah, he's not going to save the day. He's going to make sure, you know, do what he can. So I help the woman to her feet and support her as we walk to the House of Healing. Hilgar, the initiate who tended my wounds, greets me as I, as I enter. I heard screams, she says. What's happened? Ghouls, I mutter. Her face blanches for a moment, but she turns to her work and begins tending the woman's wounds. I turn to leave, but Hilgar stops. Take this, she says as she hands me a flask of sparkling liquid. It's holy water. You'll need it if there are more of these creatures. I now have... A vial of holy water. So, you know, turns out my generosity pays off. You know, I mean, it could have been healing from a fight, but didn't even get hurt. Uh, oh, I need to make notes of some of these. Um, okay, so... <laughs> um, apparently learned secret A. So Calgorn knows that holy water can harm these dead things. And harm them he intends to. One more thing, Hilgas says. I've nearly spent my magic for the day, but I think I can manage one more healing. <laughs> I can heal you now, or you can come back and I'll heal you then. Calgor uh, is not hurt. He shall leave without healing. Without healing? Ah. Uh, I step into the streets and speed towards my next location. Uh, you have to be able to navigate the city by going to this section. You begin to know. Okay, best make a note that this is a commonly visit. Uh, I'll call it two junction. Just section two. Um, you may discover further locations during the course of the adventure when you do the right Okay, that's actually an interesting way of doing it. Um, that was city where the ghouls came from. No, east. From, uh, yes, I will head towards the feast hall. There is no time to fetch others. I've wasted time enough at the temple already. Yes. He is a messed up stupid cockney dwarf. He will go batter these fuckers in the face with his hammer and splash holy water on them. Uh, I'll make my way down the street and soon come upon more stalking ghouls without wasting any time. I charge them. Okay, now face one normal ghoul and one ghoul. Ooh. Interesting. One of these ghouls is a bit tougher than the other, but Calgore doesn't know that yet. <laughs> he burps mightily as he charges into battle. Wow. Wasn't expecting that. Um, so, okay. Oh, this isn't going to go well for poor Calgor, is it? Right, Calgor charges in and strikes at the less tough ghoul because, wow, okay, yeah. Uh, definitely smashes its face in quite a bit there. Um... Uh, they then get to go for him a lot, really nastily. Um, 
Oh, no, okay, so one of them has a sword instead of clawing at him. So one of the claws that he's damaged will rake at him severely and catch him across the cheek for... Wow, actually that quite hurt. Nearly got his eye. Um, poor Kalgor has suffered seven old points of damage there. And the ghoul with the sword will slice at him... Uh, It'll, it'll sort of lance in over his shield and jab at him in the shoulder, but not quite get through his armour. Kalgor is brave. Kalgor is hard. Kalgor is going to die if he's not bloody careful. Um, so he's going to lash out at the wounded ghoul once more. Uh, okay. Two plus to kill. Yeah. Yeah, now he rolls maximum when he's like going to take it out anyway. Okay, so the ghoul for sword sort of screeches in a very much Invasion of the Body Snatches kind of way and rolls a pathetic number there. So Kalgor gets another chance at survival. Okay. How much of a face and... Yeah. Uh, he, he clearly wasn't used to attacking taller opponents at all. Uh, the ghoul just sneers and slashes with its sword. This is going to take a while. Uh, yeah, Kalgor's really not... Oh! Okay, that is a hit. Uh... So, uh Okay. Well, that's halved its health. Uh, the ghoul will retaliate in kind and pitiably fail to strike a blow. It's clearly not used to fighting shorter opponents. Kalgor uh, just about manages to get in there. Uh, seven, eight, and crunches it through the sternum. Ribs breaking everywhere. Ghoul dead. Kalgor's um, harder when he, he takes... Um, he doesn't get hit often, but when he does, he really gets hit hard. Um, okay. So something tells me that he's going to be victim to some really nasty hits later on. Uh, the way ahead of me is clear. If I desire, I can swiftly reach the Iron Shield's Feast Hall. Uh, that's a plan. Um... Um, oh, I see how they've done it. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, so what they've done there is they've essentially added, instructed me to add a, yet another option to um, the junction section in the middle of town. Uh, so I've made a note of that, because I'm not going to go trying to edit the PDF, because I wouldn't know how. Um, when I arrive at the Iron Shields Feast Hall, the chaos I discover tells me that the ghoul's stuck here too. Shouldn't that be the ghouls struck here too? I make my way past the guards and soon find Gunfer Stonefist in his private office. Son of Congar, he greets me. What news do you bring? Uh, sod all news really. Unfortunately, I don't know any of the information he needs, so, uh, ah, right, okay. That was a bit of a waste then. Um, I am sure you know the ghouls have struck. I'm sure you know the ghouls have struck, I tell Gunfer. I'm here for orders. Gunfer nods and assigns me to a squad of iron shields. Our soldiers sweep the streets and quickly clear out all the ghouls. Although several dwarves lost their lives this day, I know the losses wouldn't have been much worse without the iron shields. Yet in the back of my mind I cannot shake the feeling that something is wrong. I can't put my finger on it, but I think there's more to this attack than it seems. This concludes the adventure to attempt a different outcome. Return to section one and begin again. Okay, so um, 
I completed the adventure. It was a successful uh, end. It wasn't optimal. You know, it was like, hey, you did it, but barely, and you missed out on so much fun stuff. So, hey, yeah, I wouldn't mind having another go at the trials and tribulations of Kalgor Bloodhammer at some point in the future. But no need to repeat the exercise now. Uh, there are a few um, errors I've noted. Uh, in the character sheet at the back, the number of hit points present differs from uh, those Kalgor has in the adventure by one. So I'm going to assume that the 37 on the character sheet, which is only there once, is a typo, and the 36 repeated frequently throughout the adventure is correct. Um, additionally, some of the attack bonuses are different stuff, but the stuff in the adventure is consistent, the character sheet is different. Uh, I also noticed that he's... Uh, they've given a level 1 version and a level 3 version. Uh, the level 1 version has only got one feat and he should have two. The level 3 version should have two feet, should have four feats and he's got two. Um, so they're both got half as much as they should have really. And hey, you know, your average player is going to look at that and go, oh look, a couple of feats missing, okay, I'll fill in the blanks, you know. Uh, for a novice player though, it might be worth adding a footnote that, hey, we've left some space here for you to fill in the blanks, because you want to be creative and make this character your own a bit, you know. Okay, so that concludes the adventure of Kalgor Bloodhammer and the ghouls from beyond the breach. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do another solo adventure. Uh, <laughs> I know I cocked up a couple of times, uh, slipped into third person, uh, got voices wrong for characters when I wasn't sure who was speaking, but hey, it's the first reading, first time I've really, you know, given some fun to the adventure. You know what? I enjoyed it. Um, the the ghouls didn't hit Kalgor very often, but given the amount of damage they did when they landed a blow, uh, it wouldn't have taken too much to put him down, so it was fortunate that he was good at avoiding the damage there. Um, I enjoyed it. I'll definitely give it another go at some point in time. Um, you know, when I put this up, hey, you know, feel free to leave some comments. Let let us know what you thought of it. Maybe I'll do another solo adventure at some point in time. I noticed uh, the same guys have put out another solo adventure where you play a ranger. Um, actually, the write-up, the blurb for it, looks a little bit like the one for the Cursed Empire solo adventure. Actually, I wouldn't mind having a go at doing the the Cursed Empire solo adventure as a so as a as a reading for you guys, because, well, the chances of survival are pretty minimal, but it's actually a really good story if you can stick with it and survive and get through it. Good introduction to the setting. So in this in this case, I was, I was looking for a nice, simple, straightforward, short solo adventure. I suspected they might have been using it as selling their setting, but they like to put their adventures in. They don't seem to have done that, that much in this case, but I know I only got one of the five or six secrets in the adventure, so hey, maybe I just missed out on loads of information. I should have clearly gone clearing out sections of the town before heading back to the hall to report. Um, but hey, I'll bear that in mind for next time, you know. Uh, so yeah, that was um, Party of One. Uh, part One. Calgore Bloodhammer and the Ghouls Through the Breach. Amusingly, the, uh, they abbreviate Party of One to P double O, uh, and uh, as as an abbre abbreviation, poo stinks, you know. <laughs> so hey, 
Um, uh, I'll be happy to do some more solos if people want them. I don't want to do too much, obviously, because, hey, you know what? It doesn't beat the real thing, sitting around a table with a bunch of players having a great time. Uh, yeah, I know that you guys have only really heard me on the Skype games on the internet. Uh, that's mainly because my local group have kind of moved away and dissipated over the last few years yet again. But, hey, that happens sometimes, you know. So, anyway... Uh, as I said, that was uh, the adventure of Calgore Bloodhammer, and I am Raphael Perry, also known as Balgin Stondrake, the Dwarf, uh, and I'll be saying goodbye, and hey, maybe talk again sometime. Alright, bye-bye.